What's up, podcast listeners? This episode is another edition of my previously recorded um, seminar series about the functional movement screen and how to use it when it comes to building a warm-up. So there's a lot of great discussion in this one where we kind of hammer down from the overhead squat, what needs to be corrected, what you should put into the warm-up, and also some back and forth with the people in the group that I was presenting to. So without further ado, here is my seminar series of the functional movement screen and how to use it. Create, say, a warm-up. Hopefully this works. Yes, um, for the FMS, so if we make our way down from like overhead squat and down, yeah. and let's say for the sake of the argument, all of our strategy depends on what they score, right? So for this little thing, um, we'll probably do like everything is like a two or one, for example. Um, is a good question. If you do an FMS on someone, what would your like first instinct to correct? Like, what out of all the several movements that we do, where would you attack first? Things like we have open books 
And one of the reasons why I started with open books because it's a passive exercise compared to active. You got to know the difference between the two. So passive, like an app, you know what the open book is? Yeah. So leg on top of the roller and we're just rotating. Yeah. So as I'm rotating, I'm letting gravity kind of let me fall into place. So it's a passive thing. Whereas active would be something like if I was kneeling down and I'm actively rotating myself. Mm -hmm. Right? So I'm fighting um, gravity. gravity and things like that. Um, so then even before that, I would do things like rib rolls. So I have like a sequence, and we do this in the clinic all the time with people. Rib rolls, open books, arm sweeps. Mm -hmm. Even before that, um, this is how my mind works. I would do soft tissue work. So a good question is if someone has a really shitty squat, what would you attack on tissue quality? Where would you want to roll? Glutes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Back, lower back? Nah, I don't think lower back. No. So Sorry here's, to interrupt your class. Can we have a little recess break? Anybody want to have a little I'm good, thank you. Are you sure? Yes. Okay, I won't interrupt you guys anymore. My teacher is very strict, at least it is. <laughs> That's where your sag nerve runs down or 
Like, it kind of runs more into the back, but again, it's like IT then should be okay, but it's like if you already have that issue, you should already like be so, asking your like physio chiro what yeah. you should and shouldn't be doing. Um, and a forward fold is like a no-no. Probably not. Unless, again, it's like they have an assessment, like when Sarah um, treats people, sometimes it's not a sciatic thing, it's just a low back thing, and then she'll tell them whether or not they're flexion intolerant or extension intolerant. Right, and then tell them what they can and can't do. Mm -hmm. But again, it's like low back pain. There's no such thing as non-specific back pain. Like there's so many different variations. People feel different. Mm -hmm. And I've had people in the past where they've had such a crappy low back pain to get an MRI, everything's fine. So it's like what's going on in that individual's nervous system, brain, psychology, like mm -hmm. for some reason they're getting pain signals. But physically they're fine. Right, so you never know what you're dealing with, so you're better be on the safe side than like telling people to roll their lower back out, and then next thing they know, they can't feel their right leg. Because that can happen. Like if you shift a disc and it goes somewhere it's not supposed to, you could lose feeling into your entire leg, and then you can get to a point where you lose control of balance. Scary stuff. That's like neurological part. Yeah, so that's why it's like, should I roll my back out, or should I go see someone that's a professional that can give me um, relief? Because it's like most of the time when people have low back issues or pain or whatever, I'm looking at what their hips and T spine is doing. So really, you shouldn't ever be rolling out your lower back. Okay, yeah, because just applying then to like coaching, because we are we have low back rolling on Mondays. Yeah. Again, like I brought it up, but it's like yeah. no, not Monday yesterday. Um, yesterday, yesterday. Sorry, yeah. Yesterday, yeah. Okay, so say if we want to give people another alternative, like, and, oh. and that the whole thing was, um, was we're rolling with the low back because we're working deadlifts. So. It just sounds counterintuitive, like, if you're deadlifting, your low back shouldn't be tight. Yeah. And sore. Yeah. It should be pain free if you're deadlifting. Yeah. So what I would do instead is look at the opposing muscles to the deadlift, which is your, like, hip flexor and your quad. Yeah. That's what I would be rolling out. Okay. A lot of people, like, when I saw Mark doing it, they were rolling out their glutes, and I'm like, okay, better option, but you want your glutes and hamstrings to be tight. super tight and contracting, not relaxed when you're deadlifting. Right, okay. Right, and then because it's a trap bar deadlift, yeah. a lot of people have a tendency to do this thing, yes. right? So now if you're loosening up your glutes and your, like, musculature in your hips, yeah. now you're further gonna go, and that's not gonna feel like you're dangling weight like this. Is right? Is there in the front? Sorry? Very sore. Oh, no, it's dancing on lunch.
And then this is like, it comes to the education piece, like, because you only have so much time with someone, it's like, your yeah. power is structured a certain way, you can dedicate five minutes to rolling, it's better totally. than nothing. But then this is the education piece, it's like, here's a lacrosse ball, this is what you can do at home, this is what I want you to do every single day. So now you're keeping a person accountable, so as a business and a coach, you check in, have you been rolling? No, why? And then you start having, and then you start having, <laughs> why? <laughs> no, you just went upstairs. Um, so like when I do that, now people are a little bit more accountable to okay. what they're trying to do for success, right? So when you have those tough, tough conversations, like, hey, do you want to move and feel better or make sure your shoulder doesn't feel like crap when you play baseball in the summer with your kids, you're not doing what I told you to do. Are you serious about this? And then now you have like those tough conversations. Coaching, like learning all this stuff is like all great and dandy, but the 80% of the hour is how you connect with that person. So if you can relay this information and connect it to a, their like pain point, then it's like they have bigger buy-in, right? So if their goal, again, like better shoulder mobility so they can play baseball with their kids, it's like, if you don't do this, you might not be able to play in the next five years. And then they're like, oh shit. Now you're missing out on the important stuff in life. Have you ever had experience with people not realizing how good it's actually doing for them? Uh, yeah. And those are the ones that usually end up quitting anyway. Yeah, they, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they don't like, see the value. Like they feel like they start out not knowing new program based to help them come out of pain. They feel better than they've ever felt. Yeah. But they don't see the value in that. And then they don't see the value in it. You really feel better. Mm -hmm. So really safe Just roll everything up. <laughs> um, so another thing I would do from any questions before I move on of what we're gonna what we've already spoken about. With regards to the squat. Just whatever we've been talking about. Okay. Okay. So what I would do next is like foam roller extensions. Which again, if you're trying to get thoracic mobility, you don't want lumbar um, involved. So again, we have this in the programming as well, and that's why I asked Brandon, like, what are you trying to achieve? Are you allowing them to bend the entire spine? And he didn't really give me a straight answer, but when I teach it, like I'm thinking about their overhead squat. If their overhead squat sucks, they need more of this. There's never been a time there's a couple of times that I've never seen that I've had to like get their lumbar spine moving. The only time I've seen that is when people have fusion surgery. And it's like, they, for example, if they're doing like a cat-cow, they like just clump all together. And it's like, no, I want you to be able to segment your spine. And it's like a lot of teaching, but it's like if you have, you know, pieces of your vertebrae like fused together, it can be really tough to teach them that, right? So we gotta build more thoracic mobility so then this doesn't have to work. Because what happens when people have fusion surgery in their lumbar spine, within a couple of years, the next segment is gonna get kind of the brunt of the work if they don't have enough of this, right? So a lot of low back pain, that's what I was talking about before. A lot of low back people, terrible hip mobility and terrible thoracic mobility. So what's left to give that mobility is lumbar spine. Lumbar spine's only, um, able to rotate 13 degrees is like really small before this has to go into play. So it's like if this can rotate, now you're putting a lot of sheer force on your lumbar spine and over time it's not gonna feel that great, mm -hmm. right? So that's why when I do foam roller extension, I'm trying to get people to only move through here compared to through here. Because now you're just reinforcing and like feeding into the issue constantly. Make sense? What are all the books for for the red squat? Uh, for rotation, right? So like how I said earlier where when people come here and they do this or like another good uh, cues when they're rotating, mm -hmm. now I'm thinking like there's some sort of rotational issue. So that's why I always kind of go back to the seated rotation test because most of the time when people can't extend or flex forward properly, it's also dealt with rotation. But you're not rotating oh. in or or you shouldn't be rotating it. No, I'm just saying that most of the time when people have um, limited thoracic extension, they can't rotate. So you want to get them doing that? 
Yeah. I was noticing that too. That is just interesting that like all the things that you would do for an overhead squat, like look like you don't do those things in a squat. Like you don't do open butt. I don't know. It's just like interesting to see how to relate. Oh, you're saying you're thinking like you'd have to mimic the squat? Yeah, like do more squat? or like at least do more things for legs, like not like back stuff. No, for we're squat. More. Yeah. We're getting there. So okay, okay. Because like, again, the squat has a lot to play, right? So yeah. we have rotation, we have extension. Uh, depending on the person, I might do some flexion-based stuff, which could be, you know, you're like cat-cow. But I do like the FRC version of it, which you've done, have you done the FRC cat-cow? So essentially, every single segment of your spine should have about 10 to 13 degrees of interdependency. But a lot of people don't know how to move their spine like that. So essentially in a perfect world, mm -hmm. when you go here, you should be able to segment one vertebrate at a time. Right. Going through here and yeah. then coming back. Yeah. And most people can't do that, especially okay. on the way back. Okay. So now it's like you have to like reteach the nervous system how to move their spine. Because if something doesn't move properly, we go back to the thing where the joint above or below is going to take up the ground of the work. All right. So, what are other mobility exercises would you give someone for a shitty squat? Um, are we talking about overhead squats? Shoulders. Are we, are we going there now? Yeah, so we can definitely get shoulders. Yeah. So what's what do you need in a squat in order to um, utilize your shoulders? Stability, shoulder joint. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's wrong. Yeah. Um, so we can go down that route. I was looking more for mobility wise. Oh. But if you're looking at well, just, extension. Yes. Um, so I'm looking at because like if you think about the shoulder that we were talking about, it is more you know you have your glenohumeral joint, but also your scapula, and they need to work together in order for their thoracic spine to work at the same time. So if you think of say like a back squat, like being in this position, you need to have good shoulder mobility to actually pull yourself in. So if you think of utilizing your shoulder the way it's designed, I would do like scapular um, retractions. Yeah, both parts. Again, I would be more like you can. It's, I'm just looking at more like mobility wise, and then this again goes into like shoulder cars. What about the um, the quad scapular cars on the ground? Yeah. So like any variation. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Right. So now we have that. Um, if you think about say hips. Really easily, you can do like hip cars. Hip flexor stretch? Yeah. Um, I'm already taught, so. <laughs> what else is involved in school? Well, I would do ankle mobility. 100%, yeah. Ankle cars would be good too. Yeah. Someone on their hands and knees, mimicking their squat pattern here. Uh -huh. 
It's like a frog, kind of. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. Um, I is it a mobility exercise or a stability exercise? I would define that more of a stability exercise. But the one you're looking for? I'm looking for stability. Okay, give me a second. Lunge, split, lunge, split, 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 squat. So the one that I like to use is face to wall squat. Ah, you know that one. <laughs> this is the warm ups. Face to wall squat. Um, so, we can use this door. Yeah, just in the class. Yeah. So I don't think you two have seen the face to wall squat, right? No. No. Oh yeah, you have in the squat seminar. So essentially you get maybe four inches away from the wall, and you're squatting as low as you can without your face or knees touching the, uh, do you want to, you want to give it a shot? Because I'm kind of curious to see how your squat looks. Okay. As close as I can to the wall. Four inches away. Well, four inches I usually away. go, yeah, four inches away, and don't and let your, um, just go into a regular like squat position to how you'd want to squat. Okay. Um, so you can get a lot closer than that. That's definitely it. <laughs> Here. Sure. And then make sure your face doesn't turn when you squat. Okay. And what am I doing the arms? Do you say up? Um, that would make it harder. Um, so you can do that, but I usually get people off to the side so they don't have to worry about shoulder mobility. Okay. So just to the side. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how I feel. And like follow the class. Like but see, one. see, see how she's already like inching back. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't oh. Know my arms. <laughs> so let's get your like. Would you squat normally like that? No. Yeah. <laughs> I I I can't go far now. Oh. Yeah. So that would definitely be a good one for her to like put into her warm up. <laughs> Right, because the wall acts as a self-correcting tool. It pushes you in the right direction. And yeah, see, she puts her arms up and it's like, she gets down like four inches and like, that's it. Yeah, that's about it. So that's something that I would do to help kind of groove the pattern for your squat. And then the other thing I would do is uh, the squat to stance. I think Camila's done that. So the squat the stance is kind of going through the patterning of the squat. So you're going to go toes, deep squat, push the knees out, arms come up. I know if you want to wrap, you want to give that a try too. Okay, so toes. Yeah. And then squat with the arms inside. So you want to end up yes. here and like kind of pry the knees out. Okay. And then arms up. And that's one. There you go. Wow. Um, so that's another one. I'm going to make um, this easy for her to Goblet fry squat is another one where you grab kind of a light kettlebell, like I don't go any heavier than a 12, and you go into the squat, pry the knees out, and you start rotating the hips and then coming back up. Right, so with the prize squat, it helps a lot with people who have hip mobility issues in the squat. We'll find that because you have a counterbalance, it'll allow you to go further. Because the moment you hold on to something in front of you, yeah. this has to turn on, so now you're creating stability, and now you can actually get lower. That's why the goblet position with dumbbells is a self-correcting exercise, and then you can get really, really good at it. Right, so I would love for our main lift one day to be a goblet squat because what I would love to see is like, say John Murray, one of the strongest guys in here, mm -hmm. is to take the heaviest dumbbell and try to squat it in a goblet position for reps. Like it, it would suck, like it would destroy you, right? So a good strength measure is grabbing a dumbbell half of your body weight and seeing if you can squat it 25 times. Like that's pretty freaking hard. Okay, so you have a dumbbell, half your body weight, yeah. 25 times. Yeah. Okay. In, yeah. A yeah. In a row. In a row. Yeah. In a row. Yeah. So that's a no good way. strength assessment if you ever wanted to do it with clients or for yourself. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's so hard on the, on the back. Like, after. Again, it's like if you're doing it correctly, it shouldn't be here. Yeah. Right? So when you're holding it, you're thinking of engaging it. Just yes. like if you're engaging here, right? And because the weight's in front of you, this has to work a lot harder, because mm -hmm. if you don't use it, you just kind of like 
fall and you don't, if that doesn't feel good, so you automatically need to go here. So where am I most weak if I tend to get sore in that? Yeah. It'd be like a scapular issue. Yeah. Or a gliding agent. Yeah, definitely. Um, anything else would you want to put into correcting a squat? Shoulder work, 
Yeah. So you, I mean, you can't go wrong adding a lot of this stuff in. Yes. Like you're basically working it indirectly without knowing the thing behind yes. it. But for the inline lunge, the reason why it's chose these specifically. There's a huge reason why. And I wonder if you guys know. Spine stays in control the entire time? Kind of. <laughs> it's not the answer I'm looking for, but yes, that's correct. Because you're um, you're moving your limbs. Um, like in the bird dog, you're going, you're extend, extending and flexing, same way you would in your lunge. Yeah, so it's a reciprocal. I mean, do you know what I'm trying to say? Right? Yeah. So when you Thank lunge, you. the position uh, we're in is opposite arm, opposite leg, just like if you're going to run. Uh, so now we're indirectly working that pattern with the dead bug. Yeah. And then bird dog, same idea. Are you not proud of that? I know that. I know. You. You're, you're getting there. <laughs> right? So that would be more specific than the squat. So I look at the squat as like. If you did this Philly work with like face the wall squats, it's like right away when you get to it, you're like, holy shit, I need to like brace myself in order to do this. Yeah. And just like yeah. flop down. Like you actually feel like it's this. So I kind of look at this. It still worked for the overhead squat, but this is more specific to the inline lunge. Okay. Now from there, I'm looking at hips. So what would be like good hip stabilizing exercises? Hip stabilizing. Half meal. 100%, yeah. <laughs> Chops and legs. So you talked about the ice. Yeah. That's good though. It's good. Well, what else is good for hip stability in the inline lunge? What's important? Or what exercise? What exercise? And it's already on the board. What? Soft tissue release. No. <laughs> Carries, right? Okay. So if you're carrying something heavy, you have to take a step. Boom. So now that one hip has to make sure you're not all over the place yeah. to get up there, right? Because it's more of a dynamic movement, right? Um, what's another thing for hip stability? A little bit more dynamic than the half kneel, chops, lifts, or anti-rotation. Like actually moving in the lunge. Like, You're on the right track, yeah. Um, Think of an yeah. exercise that requires a lot of hip stability. Like reverse lunge? Almost there. Almost Walking there. lunge. No. A little further away from it now. Okay, so reverse lunge was closer. Well, what about... Um, oh, single leg. With reach. Right, so there's so many different variations to that. Um, so depending on the person, if you gave them this guy and they're all over the place, like other things that you can do that I like is like you can either hold onto the wall to give them a little bit more help so then the okay. hips can stay in line. Or the other one I like is dowel in the hand. Oh. And as you're pushing it down into the ground, the other hand and this hand with the dowel are pushing forward. So now you're getting lab engagement on the opposite side and then pulling yourself in. All right, so that works really, really well. And then eventually loading it. Anything else you guys want to add to this? Um, would you not also say that there's quite a lot of I feel like I'm thinking something to do with like the back still of T-spine and because a lot of people lean forward and does that, is the back contributing in that? Yeah, so again, like because you're asking for this, you're trying yeah, to get extension, so now you're going back to overhead no, squats. Remember like how the FMS, it kind of just trickles down yeah. and it goes up to the bigger picture, right? So now we're almost looking at a lot of like stability exercises because we're on one leg in a dynamic pattern. So if you are starting your warm up with a lot of mobility stuff that's attacking already, and then adding the stability exercises from like an inline lunge, and then you go into something a little bit more difficult in the warm up or even in the workout, they're kind of covering all the bases. Um, so it, that's they've designed it in a way that one reveals and kind of reinforces the next so that you're not repeating it's like, like five classes yeah like out. you're not yeah you're not necessarily repeating you're just building on the movement that you are seeing to yeah. see if it's happening in other areas yep 100%.
So what if you do see something in like the overhead squat bed? You don't see the inline lunge. Do you then kind of have to like rethink about what you're doing? Um, in a sense, yes, but again, like there's so many variables. <laughs> like, I think another good thing is that when we go through all this, getting say like Sarah one day to come in and we just screen her and we just watch and everyone will mark down what they what, Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think we can move on unless yeah. there's anything else. No. All right, we have our hurdle step. If they fail that in line lunch, like not from pain, but not being able to do it. Yes. Um, would you be doing like the single leg deadlift against the wall, face the wall squat to reinforce that, like TRS assisted split stuff, like just kind of do everything assisted because they can't hold that position? Yeah, and then you can take it a step even further where say the inline lunge um, was so terrible, I would stay at like a half kneel stance. And usually when it's so terrible, just having a in a half kneel as close as possible and just holding it there for 30 seconds inside while you maybe push them side to side. Is that an isometric hold? No. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. Um, okay. So hurdle step, what would you add in there? I'll let you answer first. You have any ideas? Stuff. So everything we had on the last one. <laughs> yeah, that's what I would. Essentially. Like yeah. repeat, because you're again, you're stabilizing, having to stabilize through the shoulders. Um, so single leg deadlifts or. Um, this becomes really difficult for a lot of people, uh, but like if you think of what the hurdle step is, it's this. Your exercise can literally be hold this position for 30 seconds. If someone was really terrible at the hurdle step. Because my right. sister can do hurdle step and she can't hold her leg up like that. Yeah, so like this is the position, and this is like a running position, this is a step up, this is everything, right? The other one you can have from there is literally having the person lying down, and it's similar to like a dead bug, hold. Mm. Hold. What about the glute? With the neck up? With the hand up? No. What about the glute bridge march? Yeah, like that could be another one, 100%. Like, yeah. Right? And then if you wanted to um, make that more into something specific where you put a band on both feet and say, mm -hmm. like, pull it apart. Like mm -hmm. Right? So now it's creating stability in that position. Um, could you incorporate the, the, the dead bug with that? Bend? Yeah, like again, it's getting that reciprocal pattern um, for running, walking, or just gait in general. Um, and then this, like, if you want to be really specific, I would look at people's feet. Right, and whatever yeah. that is, if it's rolling barefoot, working out barefoot, doing foot intrinsics, mm -hmm. would help a lot. Or just get them to do yoga for an hour barefoot. Mm. Works really well. Because mm. most people would wear shoes all day, yeah. heels, or they're wearing slippers at home. Another thing I too I found on the hurdle step is when people bring the leg back in, it, it goes behind them. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Does that mean anything? It'll be more like yeah. an immobility issue. Mobility, yeah. Right? So again, you can also throw in here, same with inline lunge, like hip mobility stuff. But now it's starting to like almost repeat itself. So <laughs> now you're like, okay, now I really know what this person needs if they're sucking at all these big three things, right? So you want to hit like the big rocks first, then the little ones. How are people training clients and not doing the FMS or <laughs> the yeah. Like I, I, I don't know how you can help people get better. Yeah. Like, um, so when you when you are including the half kneel stuff yeah. for the hips, are you, is the half kneel in line? Um, so it depends on the person, right? Okay. So 
if they have trouble here, they're already all over the place, yeah. then you keep them there. But okay. if they're like stable, you yeah. start bringing in a little bit, fine. Okay. A little bit in, and now they're like, okay, now I have to like fight for it. Okay. Then that's fine. Yeah, it's just finding where the person's at. Okay. You want to challenge them to be kind of at that. Yeah. Before they're building up. Maybe not so the first, maybe not the first session, but okay. <laughs> as you work your way through the month, if that's your exercise. Right. Okay. You challenge then you bring them closer and closer to inline. Sure. Okay. All right, so then we be able to fit in one more thing. I want to do next. What other types of like exercises that we see in the gym, like um, we are, like relates to the hurdle step? What What do you mean by that? Like I just like with squats and like inline lunges, like. You do squats and lunges all the time, like in in the gym. Yeah. But like with the hurdle step, what are you? What are tips? Things like step ups, step lunges, ups. like all that, right? All that. Okay. Because like when you do the hurdle step, you can see if this hip can stabilize. And sometimes when people go into the hurdle step, they'll leave. Yeah. In, right. And again, that like stabilization is also tested in our rotary stability that we just did earlier too. Yeah. Right. So everything again will pop up over and over again. So when you see it once and you're like, okay, that's weird. Then you see the rotary stability, you're like, okay, for sure that left hip, right hip needs stability, right? So it always kind of repeats itself. Okay. Um, maybe we'll finish with shoulder mobility. So if you think back to our first overhead squad, all the mobility exercises from that can apply to this. And then this is where it can be a little specific to the person. So say that they were a one on this one side and like a two on the other. Now you can like start thinking of specific shoulder exercises that would better suit the person rather than like just blankly saying like, we're gonna do wall slides, we're gonna do uh, shoulder cards. So now you can think of stuff that they can do that's more specific to them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, what else would you throw in here? For sure. In addition to shoulder cards and open books and all those things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, like World Facebook? Yeah, like you can put that as part of the warm up, World Facebook, 100%. Yeah, little cards. Y's, W's. Oh, Y's, W's. And also throw in here. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Um, 
pressing the band overhead. Now I have to stabilize in that position. Okay, but what about um, double shoulder mobility? Yes. Um, but didn't you say, like, for someone who has like weak shoulder mobility, you wouldn't get them pressing overhead? Uh, yes, depending on um, what their shoulder really looks like. If they had no pain, but they were like two on each side, yeah. and say you try the band, and as they're present, because they have to stabilize, they get further. So yeah. say with that squat, if I push you through other exercises that give you more stability, and you went to retest it, you might be able to get lower. Right, okay. so there's always kind of like exceptions to the okay. rule. If that didn't work, you can, um, do something else in the sense of what do with mobility people? Um, how was I going with that? No, I can't remember what I was going for now. Sorry. No, it's all good. <laughs> band pool and all band. Oh pool. yeah, that's what I think. It goes back to everything what we had before carries. Okay. Yeah, but you, you would do that at a, at a warm up though. You could. Right, so if I had one kettlebell here that's pulling me here, now this has to work to keep me upright, yeah. my hip has to keep me upright, my shoulder now has to be in a centrated position. Yeah. And now I'm walking yeah. to keep that position. Right? Yeah. Um, and you said that that also like is is can, yeah, core like can all turn into like a side plank or something. It carries. Yeah. Yeah. Sure <laughs> like, when in doubt, teach someone how to do Turkish get up really, really well, fixes everything, honestly. Kind of the same one dad left, too. Well, even if someone had really bad shoulder mobility and you're only teaching them the first section, yeah. they don't have to go up here, and they're yeah. holding on the kettlebell and they have to squeeze it and lock it into position, shoulder stability, right? Turkish get But again, it's like now that you kind of have a list of stuff, that becomes like your library of options, and now you can create like multiple different warm-ups, and now you have a template, and then you have all these clients coming through. Template number one, template number two, template number three. What's the specific thing in the FMS that was terrible on you? Let's take that out and put this in instead, and then you can do that for everyone mm -hmm. to save yourself time, right? So I used to create every specific warm-up to every person in every single uh, program, and it's a lot of work, whereas create a template, and you can be like, templates for all twos. And that also you're gonna have like, um, people that are a little bit different. So if you know that the shoulder mobility tests are two on, or on one side, but like a zero on the other, maybe doing the banded overhead press is a no, but you could do like a supine band pull apart, but that doesn't hurt their shoulder, right? So now it's just like dragging and dropping. 